Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. This week, we look back at the Luxembourg National Final. We analyze the draw for the semifinals in Malmö. And we look ahead to Vidbia in Ukraine. It's time for the Euro trip. The Euro trip, when I read that, I was immediately thinking of the movie. Do you know the movie? <laughs> Hi, I'm Leanne. Hello, Leanne. Uh, Leanne, are you a Eurotrip podcast listener? I am, yes. <laughs> I, I should say, I met some Eurotrip fans here. I was chatting with people outside the entrance, and they said, oh, are you, are you Bella Fist? And I said, yeah, I know you're from the Eurotrip. What did you have for breakfast? It was last night. I did not have a kebab for breakfast. Queen Lorene, Eurovision winner. Did you ever think you would be back here again? I get goosebumps. No way! Martin Ossadar, Executive Supervisor of the Eurovision Song Contest. Welcome to the Eurotrip. Thank you very much. Welcome back, I think it is, right? Hello and welcome to the Eurotrip, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast with me, James. Me, Rob. And this week, we're looking at the past, the present... And the future, Rob. Very nicely done. Yes, we are. So we will start with the past, shall we? Yes. A very good, a very good place to start. We are going to start by looking back at a very busy weekend in the world of Eurovision in selection season, because James, of course, the weekend saw us return to Luxembourg. Luxembourg selecting uh, Eurovision entry for the first time in thirty-one years. I am the same age as the last time <laughs> that Luxembourg took part in the Eurovision Song Contest, as I, uh, as you may have seen over the weekend when I uh, posted a little baby pic of me on our social medias. <laughs> that is how old I was the last time Luxembourg selected an entry for Eurovision. So the former host of the BBC's Eurovision Cast podcast, Eurovision expert, presenter, broadcaster, Daniel Rosney was there. He chatted to the Deputy Prime Minister and he tells us all about it on the podcast today. From the past, we then turn to the present. So on Tuesday evening, the semi-final allocation draw took place in Malmö, uh, marking the the ceremonial start uh, of the Swedish city being the host of Eurovision 2024. Uh, If you're new, we'll ask what the semi-final allocation draw actually is, what it means to be in one semi-final 
or another, uh, Ben Robertson from ESC Insight and the Bet Eurovision podcast uh, will be joining us to talk us through all of that. Joining us from Malmö. Indeed, yes. And also, we will be chatting to one of the participants who is hoping to represent Ukraine. He's taking part in Vidbeer at the weekend. He is called Yaktak. So we've got all that and more to come. You're listening on Acast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. This is the Eurotrip. James, I feel like I need to pick you up on something. Early doors. Mm? It's not called the semi-final allocation draw anymore, is it? Do you know, I had a feeling you were going to pick me up on that. And then, uh, yeah, it's they're branding it as the draw now. But I'm sure I've seen elsewhere on social media. I am searching it as <laughs> I speak to see if Eurovision themselves or the EBU have referred to it as the semi-final allocation draw. Have they? I'm trying to scroll. Yes, 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 yes. Eurovision's Twitter account on the 26th of January said the semi-final draw. So not the allocation draw, but the semi-final draw for Eurovision 2024. Okay, so we were both right. Is that what we're saying with that? Both right, both wrong. Just Uh, like usual. (laughs) (laughs) The draw makes it sound significantly more dramatic. So I will be be calling it the draw. And very exciting to analyse all that a little bit later on. James, busy, busy week for you. We have already, of course, heard from you on this podcast feed on Monday because you were flying solo on Melfest Monday. Thank you very much for doing an absolutely incredible job and for taking the reins on Melfest Monday this year. Joined by an incredible panel, we heard from Smash Into Pieces, one of the the acts, the Swedish rock band that are in the first semi-final over in in, in Malmö, actually, this weekend. Busy mm. week for Malmö. And uh, yeah, a lovely old time. Although I am absolutely hammering you in the first Melfest Monday Hall of Fame poll. If nobody knows what I'm talking about, please do explain. Yes, so we've resurrected the Melfest Monday Hall of Fame. It took a break last year, didn't it? But we've brought it back and this is our opportunity to replicate SVT's Hall of Fame that honours the songwriters and the artists of Melfest. But it allows us to uh, induct people and songs and artists into our very own Melfest Monday Hall of Fame. This week, we thought we'd kick off with the the best Swedish language song that Sweden have taken to the Eurovision Song Contest. I chose Satellite. You chose Diggy Lou Diggy Lou, which I thought was a bit of a a cheat, I must admit, given it was a Eurovision winner as well as a Melfest winner. And uh, have you got the result? It's not the final result. I think the poll is still open for another couple of days if you're listening on Dave Reese on Wednesday. Uh, What are the current figures? I need some help, I think. Yeah, it's not reflecting well on you. The current stats, the current percentages, uh, 70.9% have uh, voted for me and my suggestion of Digaloo Digalay. Uh, 29.1 have voted for, for Satellite. So I think you need a lot of votes to attempt to to catch up. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know what Malfast Monday is, which may be ridiculous to say at this point in time, but you may be a relatively new convert to the Eurotrip podcast and may have seen this unusual podcast appear in your podcast feeds over the over the last few days so Melfest Monday is something we do here on the Eurotrip podcast you won't hear it anywhere else it is the only English language podcast dedicated to covering Melody Festival and for the duration of its run so for the next seven weeks so James has already done one episode on Monday and then for the next six weeks still to come he will be covering the contest, previewing the shows, reacting to everything that has happened and uh, yeah continuing on the road to Stockholm, 
Yes, indeed. So I, I forgive me, I wasn't really listening there. I was just WhatsApping Petra Merda. I know Satellite is her favourite Eurovision <laughs> song, as I mentioned on Monday. Getting getting her and her troops to rally behind it. Can you imagine, <laughs> can you imagine if she, which I assume she doesn't, have your number saved? So she goes, who on earth is what? Like, I just imagine her being really, really confused about getting this message from an English mobile number thinking, <laughs> she's sat at home maybe thinking it's SVT going to give her the gig for Eurovision. She's waiting by the phone. She's going to be very disappointed when she finds out it's just you asking her to help you out with a silly little Twitter poll. <laughs> anyway, anyway, it was great fun uh, to do it solo. I did miss you, Rob, but... Uh, thanks for, for tuning in, as I know you did, adding one more listener to the listener stats, which is great. Uh, great news for us. <laughs> and I should say that it is a particularly uh, special week for us, James, and it's only right that we are now back together, obviously, on the podcast today, because we are recording this late on Tuesday evening, of course, after the draw. And it was this very day last year that we co-presented ESCZ the Czech Republic, or rather Czechia's selection for the Eurovision Song Contest. So happy ESCZ anniversary to you. Happy anniversary. Thank you for my card. I received it in the post this morning. Very kind of you to send that. I'm surprised you can get that as a standard card on moonpig.com. Very, very impressive. Uh, yeah, it, it's flown by that year, hasn't it? It was uh, great to look back at some of those photos and videos as uh, as a memory from 12 months ago. Yeah, very, very odd that that was a thing that we did. Absolutely incredible that we did it. And all I will leave you with, everybody, I say that as if we're about to end the podcast. Obviously, we're not. There's loads still to come. But all I will say, actually, off the back of of us obviously celebrating a year of uh, hosting ESCZ, some exciting plans for 2024 in the pipeline. James, that's, that's fair, isn't it? I can say that. That's cryptic enough. Yeah, I like it. Okay, lovely stuff. If you want to get in touch with us here on the podcast, you know this by now, but if you don't, you can, of course, get in touch with us on Twitter and Instagram. We are at Eurotrip Podcast. We're on TikTok and threads as well. And for any exclusive stories, EurotripPodcast.com. And for any longer messages on the email, hello at EurotripPodcast.com. Time for all the latest news then from the world of the Eurovision Song Contest. It is the end of January, almost hitting February, which means it is very, very busy. Plenty has happened in the last seven days since we were last with you. Plenty to come, including our first Super Saturday of the year. Are you looking forward to Super Saturday, Rob? Am I looking forward to Super Saturday? I am, although I'm about to tell you predictably what I always tell you, James. Got quite a lot of plans this weekend. Don't know how much of Super Saturday I will be able to watch. But look forward to watching it back retrospectively. Yes. They should call it a stressful Saturday, shouldn't they, instead of Super Saturday. It's too stressful to try and get all the streams working at the same time. Yeah, I, I, I just don't think most people have enough devices for all of that. I think I think we have this conversation every year, don't we? But I don't know what your setup's like. Do you have, like, laptop, laptop, TV, phone? How does it normally work? I'll tell you what mine is. Mine is watch one at a time. I, I don't have the capacity to watch more than one. So uh, we'll tell you all the shows that are coming up this weekend in, in just a moment. Uh, but I'll probably watch one live and then I'll watch one a bit later and then I'll probably watch some recaps of the other ones. Are you, uh, you going to tell us which one you're going to watch live? I I even haven't decided actually. Okay. Yet, but <gasps> we'll see what happens. Could we'll the listeners decide? 
That is a great idea. Yeah, what should I watch live? Well, in fact, we'll do this the wrong way around, but coming up this Saturday, Ukraine, Norway, Malta and Spain all have their final. And then we've also got uh, semi-finals or heat in Latvia, Sweden and Lithuania. What do I watch live? I know Ukraine starts a bit earlier, but there's a lot that start around about seven o'clock UK time. What should I watch live? Let us know at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. For the sake of the next episode of Melfest Monday, I mean, you should probably watch Melfest. <laughs> but what does James watch after Melfest? <laughs> it's up to you. Uh, but James, an incredibly busy weekend. We will touch on Luxembourg in a little while, of course. They selected their first Eurovision entry for 31 years on Saturday. But the night before, on Friday, I want what the Irish Eurovision fans have been taking because they are buzzing about the fact that Bambi Thug has been selected as their entry for the Eurovision Song Contest. And I think it's safe to say Ireland could have their best chance of qualifying for the grand final for the first time in a long time. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it was a it was a great show as well. Really, really hotly contested. Bambi Thug came uh, third with the international jury in the end. They then won the national jury vote and the televotes. So only four points off a maximum score, actually. Uh, but generally, in terms of the, the show itself, I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, great variety of music in there. Really, really impressive. And... For anyone who wasn't there, I'm sure you, like me, are disappointed that you didn't get your hands on what looked like an awful lot of groceries from Spa. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's one of the best things about Eurosong, isn't it? I think last year, did they give away another hamper of... I feel like they gave her a hamper away of like cheeses and stuff one year, did they? I, I, can't remember, I can't remember what it was. I think everyone was hoping that it might be a pack of butter this year, which... It very well could be in years to Maybe come. Maybe that's where I would get my wires crossed. And they did give away, because they, they gave away a spa hamper, like the the, the the supermarket chain. But I think one year they gave like a spa hamper, S-P-A <laughs> hamper away as well. I don't know, is that a theme? <laughs> if, if none of you have seen this on social media, you won't know what we're talking about. But many of our friends who were there on uh, Friday night, and loads of other Euro fans as well who were there in Ireland, basically came away from the show with a massive shopping bag full of food. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't happen at many other national finals does it but so pleased for all the Irish Eurovision fans to really have an entry that they can really support can really get behind and I think the journey from now to Malmo is going to be so exciting for them. Yes uh, we spoke to Michael Keeley as well uh, the Irish head of delegation a couple of weeks ago so if you want to know more about that process of how those songs were selected and, and his ambitions uh, and that sort of thing uh, two weeks ago I think we spoke to him so have a scroll back and listen uh, listen to him uh, but plenty more happening uh, songs have been released for the Danish selection the Serbian selection and the Icelandic selection a few highlights as well to sort of pick out from those uh, Basim who represented Denmark on home soil in 2014 he is back. Their national final takes place on Saturday, the 17th of February uh, in Serbia. Uh, plenty of songs to listen to. They've got semi-finals. Nice couple of midweek semi-finals, by the way, on the oh, 27th and the 29th of February. We like a midweek semi-final, given the conversation we were just having. Easier mm-hmm. to watch. Exactly. And then their final is on March the 2nd. And then in Iceland, uh, they have announced their performers and released the songs as well. It includes Hera Bjork, who represented... Iceland in 2010. It also includes a Palestinian singer, which is rather interesting, Bashar Murad. Uh, he has worked with Hatari in the past, who of course represented Iceland in 2019. And we've already run through everything we can expect this Saturday. Very, very busy Saturday on the way. And of course, James, we are still awaiting news of when the United Kingdom 
will be releasing Ollie Alexander's song for Eurovision. The anticipation continues. It does indeed. It could be happening at any point. Maybe it's about to happen. Is it about to happen? No, it's not happening just yet. What about now? You went for your BBC News notification. Yeah, nothing's <laughs> pinging. Nothing's pinging just yet. <laughs> Now, shall we turn the clock back then to last weekend? We've talked about how busy this forthcoming weekend is, of course. And of course, we have seen already the draw, which we will talk about coming up on the podcast a little bit later on. So loads happening. But on Saturday, Luxembourg picked their first Eurovision entry for 31 years. I don't know if you saw the show. James, I know you saw the show. An amazing show in Luxembourg, featuring numerous past Eurovision winners. It was a bit of a Eurovision All-Stars over in Luxembourg. I'd like to think that RTL may have blown the budget on the whole show. I don't know what their TV schedules look like for the rest of the year, but as a Eurovision fan, I was delighted to see it. But they, of course, picked Tally with her song Fighter for Malma. But somebody who was out in Luxembourg to cover everything that was happening was the former host of the BBC's Eurovision Cast podcast, the BBC's former Eurovision reporter, Eurovision broadcaster. You know him from the Eurotrip podcast as well, of course. He is Daniel Rosny. So I thought we'd get Daniel on this week to talk all about his trip to Luxembourg. And to begin with, I asked him to channel his best travel journalist and tell us more about the country. One of the absolute privileges of covering the Eurovision Song Contest is getting to go to some amazing places that I otherwise wouldn't go to. I mean, I have genuinely always wanted to visit Luxembourg because it is one of the smallest countries in Europe. And you only ever really hear about it outside of the Eurovision bubble because of its financial industry and it being an economic powerhouse. And I love architecture. It's got some amazing castles. There's less than 700,000 people that live there. And I just kind of always wanted to go to it. So when Luxembourg re-entered Eurovision last year, and when we found out, I was thinking, yes, great, I might get to go next year. And it happened. So what, I mean, what was it like? I think one of the things that you said was incredible about, about Luxembourg is free public transport. Yeah, it's absolutely free public transport everywhere. It was the first country in the world to introduce that, and that was about four years ago. Malta has since introduced it. So if Eurovision is ever in either of those two countries, you'll be able to get around for free. Um, but yeah, it's it's a really cool place. There, there's not a lot happening, and that's largely because, you know, it's, it's a very small population. It's quite quaint. Uh, it's very picturesque. It wasn't as cold as I thought it would be. I was in Malmö a couple of weeks ago and that was freezing. I didn't need gloves in Luxembourg. Um, but what is really interesting, which I'm sure that you saw, Rob, on the show, is that depending on where you are in Luxembourg, depends on what language people speak there. So, you know, in Luxembourg City, which is where I was staying, the language is predominantly Luxembourg. Burgish, Luxembourgish. Can I ever pronounce that? Um, but in the south, which is where the show was, everybody speaking French, which was great for me because I'm doing Duolingo French at the minute, so I was getting to practice that. What was incredible about the show, wasn't it? As well, like you said, there are the various languages in Luxembourg, but also one thing that people watching the show on Saturday would have enjoyed, wherever they are, is that there was actually quite a lot of English in the show as well. I think they knew that the, the eyes of Europe and further afield were, were going to be watching. Yeah. Agreed. And it had to come back with a bang. And 
the production team at RTL, you know, they really pulled it off. I was at the first rehearsal on Thursday. So that was the first time that the artists performed on stage. You know, they were trying to get their camera angles. You know, if you think about like, you know, and it's actual Eurovision, they do that weeks before, but this was only two days before. And as soon as Crick came off stage, she was the act that came second. You know, I was like, what? You got really emotional then because she broke down on stage. She was genuinely in tears. And one of the stage managers had to come up and give her a hug because she just said she found it so overwhelming. It was the biggest stage that she'd ever been on. And Tally was saying that, you know, she's seen Bruno Mars play there. She's seen Mariah Carey. And now she was getting to perform in the same room. And I was really impressed by the production that RTL put on. As I say, they did have to come back with a bang. But there were so many Eurovision winners involved in that show. I mean, there were four on stage. And then you had all of those messages from all of those Eurovision winners while we were waiting for the results. What did you think of it all? I just thought it was like a Eurovision All-Stars, wasn't it? Like you say, the number of different people connected to Eurovision, Eurovision winners that popped up. I've got to say, Daniel, one of my favourite moments was obviously your close personal friend from Eurovision cast, Mon Zalmalev, who uh, just did his in his car. He's a busy man. He just sent his video message from his car, which I enjoyed. But Mons can get away with it if anybody can. But Daniel, the question that I obviously want to ask you here, talking about the show and the scale of it and everything like that, what impression did you get about how seriously RTL are taking this? How seriously Luxembourg are taking their Eurovision return? Because I think you you spoke to the Deputy Prime Minister, didn't you? Yeah, so Luxembourg, you know, it means business. This all came about because of Xavier Bettel, who up until October was the Prime Minister of Luxembourg. He's attended Eurovision a couple of times. I saw him in Turin. And he proposed to the government last year that it should return and I spoke to him on the phone before the show and he said look you know Luxembourg has this diverse and vibrant music scene and these young artists just aren't getting the break they're not getting the recognition on an international stage so he proposed it to the broadcaster with some help from Eric Lehman who is now the head of delegation for uh, Luxembourg um, and they kind of petitioned the broadcaster to make its return. Uh, Mr. Bettel lost his election in October, uh, but it's a coalition. So he's now the deputy prime minister. But he was there at the show on Saturday. He introduced me to his husband and he introduced me to his uh to his successor, the, the actual prime minister's wife. And, you know, they were so excited. And I said, is this a one-off? And they're like, no, 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 this is not a one-off. We're going to be in this for a while. Um, and the RTL said that to me as well, you know, that they will be in this for a few more years to come. And, you know, Luxembourg has won Eurovision five times, only being beaten by Ireland and Sweden. And I think that it kind of wants to be showcased across Europe and beyond for having that, you know, that musical heritage. And, you know, it's it's something that, you know, in sport, depending on the size of your country can matter because of the talent that's involved, you know, and the funding when it comes to the Olympics or a football World Cup. But with music, it is an equal playing field. And some of the songs that were performed on Saturday in Luxembourg could have easily, you know, have beaten other songs in other selection shows that we see. So I think, you know, they've started strong and I think they'll just get stronger and stronger. 
you've already said, you know, you were there, you were in the arena on Saturday. So you saw all of the songs performed and you saw the eventual winner, of course, Tally with Fighter, who will go on to represent Luxembourg in Malmö. What's the impression that you get about what would be seen as a good result for Luxembourg at Eurovision? Are they just pleased to be back and it doesn't really matter? Or are they really in it to, to do as best as they as they possibly can? Because from everything you've said, it does sound like it will be a long-term project. From speaking to uh, Eurovision fans in Luxembourg, they want to qualify. That's, that's their first aim. RTL, you know, as you can imagine, are, are being quite tight-lipped about what they view as a success. I did try to ask, like, what happens if you win? Because, you know, the arena where the show was on Saturday isn't big enough uh, to host the Eurovision. And that is the country's biggest venue. And I was just told, there's a plan. There's a plan. Uh, <laughs> um, but I don't think, you know, I, I think it would be asking a lot if they won the first year that they returned. But, you know, semi-finals are completely down to televote. So you'll have those Eurovision fans at home who are welcoming Luxembourg back into the competition. But also those kind of, you know, what I call, you know, the Saturday night viewers who might watch the semi-finals as well on the Tuesday and the Thursday, who remember Luxembourg from back in the day. So like when I told my mum that I was going to Luxembourg, she said, oh, it always reminds me of Eurovision. And I said, well, they've not been in Eurovision for 31 years. Why does it still remind you of it? She just said, well, because she never knew where, where it was. And it was always broadcast in her living room once a year from getting those douze points from Luxembourg. But, you know, I think that the song Fighter, you know, it's an up-tempo song. It was definitely the more up-tempo of the eight that performed on the night. It did feel very tense in the arena, actually, because where I was stood in front of the stage, I was sort of sandwiched in between Crick's family and friends and Tally's family and friends. And when they were divvying out those points and Tally was starting to get more 12 points than Crick, you could just feel like the energy sort of burst out of Crick's family. And I did feel for them a bit. Um, but both, you know, both of those women... I'm sure we'll have huge careers. And I, I actually think that Crick might come back in either next year if there is another selection. But, you know, I think that she is one to watch in the Eurovision world because she really, really wanted it. The UK may no longer be hosting Eurovision, but Daniel, you are as busy as ever, if not busier, I think, in the world of Eurovision, right? You're a busy man still. Plenty of Eurovision stuff on the way. It never, ever, ever stops, does it? I can't remember the last time... I didn't have a Eurovision WhatsApp group pinging. I wasn't listening to a Eurovision song. I mean, there's so many exciting things to come, isn't it? We've still not heard Oli Alexander's song. Have you been hearing any rumours about that? I've heard no rumours, but I'm sure when we do, Daniel, you'll be back on the podcast. I, I, I know that for sure. <laughs> it will always be a pleasure. Uh, Daniel, thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, we'll speak to you really soon. Speak soon. Bye-bye. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. You're listening to The Eurotrip, the world's favorite Eurovision podcast. Welcome back to the Eurotrip podcast. Thank you so much for joining us this week. And a big thanks to Daniel Rosny as well for getting us up to speed on everything that happened in Luxembourg at uh, the weekend. Uh, now then, let's cross over to Malmö. We mentioned we were recording on Tuesday evening and the draw has just taken place. And in Malmö, somebody who was there watching it live happening, uh, it was Ben Robertson, uh, a big friend of the podcast from ESC Insight and the best Eurovision podcast. Ben, welcome. Hey there. Good evening from Stockholm. From Stockholm. I wish it was Stockholm. I wish it was Stockholm, you know. <laughs> It is Malmö. It is Malmö. I've had to take, what, four and a half hours in the train down to get here. But yes, I was present at the allocation draw. Thank you very much, SVT, for that privilege. How was it? It's, it's a very regal affair, I find this. You know, there's a lot of, because it's not just about the draw that takes place. It's also the passing over from Liverpool's hosting last year to Malmö. So there's a whole delegation from Liverpool that have been in the last couple of days. They were here tonight as well. Um, so this is a this is the start, really. You've always said the bid process. This is the start, really, for the city to get the regalia around. But installed a, a lights installation by the Malmo Live here um, yesterday. Yeah, I, I introduced it earlier as sort of like the ceremonial start of Eurovision 2024. I think that's fair to say, isn't it? It very much is is the fair thing to say. And you know, we're here for ESC Insight for a few days, and you know, we're going to get all of those in depth kind of stories now is the idea for the rest of the season because now is the time where people can start talking about the plans going forward because it, it's 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 now coming here they have the keys yes. it's in Malmo's hands now we will get into the semi-final allocation draw in itself and who the winners and losers are but first of all can you just try and explain why what we saw at the beginning you know we might have a lot of new listeners and a lot of new viewers who watched it for the first time perhaps why are countries in different pots why are they not all just all in one to begin with and they get picked out the, the rationale about having the five different pots is that you want to have semifinals that are as even as possible. So you want to try and avoid the case that a country only has those that vote for it in the same semifinal and then they can all kind of qualify as a voting bloc because we're well aware in the Eurovision Song Contest because of diaspora reasons, because of cultural reasons, certain countries do vote for others more than other ones. Um, you cannot win the Eurovision Song Contest based on this, but you can get 10 points from five countries and 50 points will get you over the line most of the time. So what this does here is it minimizes the chance of that happening. So you can only have at most 
three other countries from your pot in there. Any of those three countries give you 12 points. The chance of you qualifying that alone is very, very low. So having this here is the way of making sure that you qualify on merit more often than not. Now, I was reading your piece on ESC Insight a couple of days ago in anticipation of the draw about the the maths and the statistics about where is the best place to be. So maybe in, in answering the question about where are the best places to go, do you want to sort of take us through some of those winners and losers that we saw uh, earlier on this evening? I mean, first and foremost, just remember that this is a draw for the semi-finals. If you have a song that's good enough to win the Eurovision Song Contest, you will qualify no matter what the permutations are. Um, there are countries, of course, on the board like to qualify. And for many broadcasters, qualifying is the most important thing. Getting to the Saturday night, getting the big TV audience. I look for three different things when I'm looking at this. You look to be in the second half. So you, you draw today the first half and second half of the show. Um, there's a few percentage more qualifiers in the second half of the show than the first first half. That's not a surprise at all. Um, so you're looking at maybe a 19% extra chance of qualifying if you're on the borderline, if you're in the second half of the show. So the most common split is four qualifiers in the first half, six in the second half. Secondly, you will look to be in the smaller of the semifinals. We have an odd number this year. We have a 15-song semifinal and a 16-song semifinal. So, again, just being in that smaller semifinal gives you a touch of an edge. And then, of course, it's the different countries that you're around. You've got countries like Ukraine that are always being quality to the Eurovision Song Contest. They have qualified every single time in song contest history from the semi-finals. Better than Sweden, as we were reminded, Ben. You say that, that's, that's technically not true. <laughs> because nowadays, nowadays, in you have 100% televoting. Believe it or not, if you had 100% televoting the entire way through Eurovision history, Anna Bergendahl would have qualified in 2010, and actually Ukraine would have missed one time. No way! Interesting! On the current basis, you have to assume, of course, 2013 results. You have yes. to take the numbers that you get from that. But on the current rules, Sweden's not missed the grand final. Okay, okay. I'll give you that one. I'll give you that one. That's fine. What about some of the actual winners and losers then for, from the draw that we've just seen? As you say, if you have a very good song, you, you probably will sail through anyway. But for, for those who may be on the cusp, where, uh, which countries do you think are the winners and losers from today? Yeah, I mean, we don't know, of course, lots of the songs yet from this year. One that stands out to me from a voting block point of view will be Armenia. Now, they have drawn a first-half slot, but in the second semi-final, there are numerous countries there that have a track record of voting for Armenia. I'm thinking here of France that are voting in there, Belgium's in there, Georgia's in there. So there's going to be some guaranteed points on the board for Armenia. So if there's a close one, Armenia's got a little bit more of a boost now to try and get through. And another case in second semi-final there would be Albania. Um, Albania's got a big diaspora in Switzerland and Austria, and both of those happen to be in that same semi-final there. So uh, those are two countries right now that really stand out and need a bit of help because both of those are drawn in the first half of those shows so there's a bit that kind of balances out a little bit of the um issues there i think it's gonna be quite good for ireland to be in the same final as the united kingdom we've seen already bambi was in a lot of traction in uk media as well so that's one to watch out for there again might minimize that first half draw 
that they have. I, you've got to remember with this, it does make a difference, but the difference is not so much. It's those countries on the cusp. If you're coming in 11th, a good draw might help you get to 10th or 9th. But for many countries, it's the battle to get through to the grand final that, no, it's the, it's the first hurdle, isn't it? It certainly is fascinating to sort of go in depth about all of that as well. And as I was watching it, and I wonder this every year, Ben, and I wonder if you do too, when we're watching it, we only know a handful of songs and a, and a few more artists on top. Logistically, it wouldn't work, but it would be nice for this to take place once we have all the songs and artists, because it would add a bit more jeopardy to it, wouldn't it? It would. I mean, let's remember the reason now why this draw is at this point. It's not just a ceremonial start of the Eurovision Song Contest. It's a practical reason. It's because the delegations that are coming to the Eurovision Song Contest, this is the time when they might want to start planning for that. If you leave that planning until March, that's you don't want to leave the stress of hotels and flights until that point of view. It's a very practical thing. Because delegations here, there's there's a cost attached to this. You know, if you are Ukraine or Cyprus or Poland who are in the first half of the first semi-final, you will also be rehearsing, as a general rule, first in the Malmo arena. You are arriving before the rest of the other countries to the city, the whole city. If you take now you've got Estonia, Georgia, Netherlands, they're the second half of the second semi-final. Those countries, they don't have to arrive here for three days later than the other countries. You can save a little bit of money in your hotel costs <laughs> for that. And it's not an insignificant factor. And sadly, we're talking about finances again at the European Song Contest. We know Romania decided not to take part in the last week. Um, we have only 37 countries taking part. The Eurovision Song Contest would like to have more than that. And we're missing a lot of nations where maybe three nights in hotels in Malmo around Eurovision time. We're talking a few thousand euros, but that is not an insignificant amount of money for some of the smaller delegations around Europe where Eurovision is a very significant expense. Yeah, it swings and roundabouts, isn't it, really? You mentioned the costs associated with going out earlier, but then, you know, if you're in the first semi-final, you do get those couple of days off in the show week as well, before the final. So, yeah, it is swings and roundabouts. Uh, ben, I'm sure you're going to be putting a, a load of this analysis on ESC Insight, which we will point people towards. It'll be in the episode description. Uh, but also a quick mention of Melfest. I know we did Melfest Monday earlier in the week, but Melfest, you were at the listening event today, so you've heard the songs I have heard the six, only six songs we have now taking part in the heats. Um, so we have heard the first six of them. Now, do I go for the fan answer here or do I go for the serious answer? I think I give you the fan answer. Yes, please. Let's um, have the fan answer. Schlager is the genre that brings many people to Melody Festival. Elisa Lindstrom's song isn't just that modern Schlager. We knew it was going to be that. Um, but I'm very, very impressed by her vocals. It's a rousing number. And... You know, we, we ask ourselves a lot if the genre of Schlager is dead. I don't think it's dead at all. I think it's got an audience still. Um, and that's one I, if there's going to be a surprise and Schlager does well competitively, it will be this week coming up. Otherwise, the one I'm looking forward to is probably smashing to pieces. They've got a very, very strong rock anthem this year. Well produced as always, but there's so many details I'm aware of already, thanks to Melopedia, in the staging of this. It feels... If last year's song for them felt like they were performing to in a rock club, this is like a movie soundtrack. 
Oh, exciting stuff. Yeah, shout out to Gustav Darlander, who uh, who does it all over on Melopedia. Again, we'll put a link to that in the episode description. Who does it all in the middle of the night, let us tell us about <laughs> what a legend he is. He certainly is, yeah, unsung hero. Uh, ben, thank you so much for your time. I'm going to let you jet off to do whatever else you've got to do in Malmö for, for the rest of the week. It's an absolute pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're, got, we're trying to speak to as many people as possible to hear all the stories about what is happening at the Malmo Eurovision Song Contest. Lovely stuff. Ben, thank you so much. Thank you. Take care. When you aren't listening, find us on social media at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter and Instagram. So welcome back to the Eurotrip Podcast, the world's favourite Eurovision podcast. I'm going to use this part of the show to say that if you haven't already please go and leave us a review and a rating wherever you're listening because it really helps other people find us and we want, of course, as many people as possible to join us on the road to Malmö. And also, if you love what we're doing on the podcast and you want to help us keep doing what we're doing, then we would be ever so grateful if you would buy us a coffee. You can donate just as little as £3 if you want to or a little bit more if you uh, are feeling generous. And me and James are very appreciative. You can do that over at buymeacoffee.com forward slash Eurotrip podcast and thank you to all of you who have done so already we are eternally grateful and as I threatened on the podcast last week if I see you in Malmö you'll get a big hug. <laughs> uh, now we will turn our attentions to Ukraine in just a second uh, their national final is on Saturday as part of that stressful Saturday as I'm going to call it. But James I am now returning to one of our favourite topics on the podcast. This has been an on-running theme for many years now since we launched the podcast. Do you know what I'm talking about? Throwback everyone, is it the mouse in your kitchen? <laughs> I've moved I've moved flat since then. So it's <laughs> not the mouse in my kitchen. No, James, what I was referring to when I said a return of a classic of an old favourite here on the podcast, it is, of course, Eurovision Songs in the Wild. Ah, yes, yes, yes. Yes, have you heard one? Well, this is, of course, when you hear Eurovision songs out and about, when you are not expecting to hear them. So perhaps this is Malta 2011. I can't remember what that was. Glenn Vella. It was what? what? Glenn Vella? Oh, it was was Glenn Vella. Well done. It was, but it's not the one second song yet. Don't don't use all that knowledge now. Uh, Yeah, maybe you heard Glenn Vella in the petrol station. This is what we're talking about when we are referring to Eurovision songs in the wild. This all started when I heard Ben and Tan's entry that was supposed to represent Denmark at 20, in 2020 in a garden centre. Not Wasn't expecting to hear it there. Anyway, no, uh, Killian has been in touch on Twitter. So Killian, thank you so much. Uh, Eurovision in the wild update. In a follow-up to the Lisbon playlist being on heavy rotation in Home Savers... They have now added the 2020 playlist. The Manners <laughs> and Senate have been heard. So if you end up going to Home Savers, you too could hear the Eurovision 2020 playlist. Yeah, which means you might also hear Ben and Tan for a full circle moment. Yeah, maybe a My Last Breath as well. The One Last Breath. What was this? What was the UK's entry that year? One yeah, Last Breath. One Last Breath. My, la- my Last Breath. One Last Breath. My last breath. It was mine. I wasn't will it? give you my last breath. It was yeah, mine. Was yeah, it was yes. mine anyway. Uh, so, yeah, anyway, if you too have heard a Eurovision song in the wild, or indeed if your accommodation is now mouse free, let us know <laughs> at Eurotrip Podcast. Twitter, Instagram, send us an email if you want. Hello at Eurotrippodcast.com. 
Yes. Now, shall we turn our attention to Ukraine? Uh, <laughs> what a what a gear change so, that I'm, is, by I'm, the way. I'm not just thinking because, as you will hear in a moment, I did this interview using an interpreter, and if uh, the artist Yaktak had heard me talking about mice, I think it would have confused him immensely. So, thankfully, <laughs> thankfully I didn't during the interview. Oh dear me. Anyway, Vidbia, the national final is taking place on Saturday, as we've mentioned, uh, as they select their song and artist for Malmo. Now. I feel like so many people, Rob, think it's a, a foregone conclusion that uh, Aliona, Aliona and Jerry Heil are going to win. Nobody's seen the show yet. There's still another 10 artists in the competition. So there's plenty still to happen between now and when the uh, when the lines close on Saturday night. When the lines close? That was a bit of a throwback, wasn't it? You... <laughs> the lines still close? I mean, technically, yes. I suppose the lines do close, <laughs> don't they? Yeah, well... It's funny you say that, James, because I have been chatting to, I've already mentioned his name, a Ukrainian musician by the name of Yaktak. And Yaktak is a huge star in Ukraine. He's got over 300,000 followers on Instagram, which just shows the scale of his popularity. So I would not rule him out when it comes to Vidbeer at the weekend. He's got a really catchy song. It's called La 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 La, which you will hear a little bit of during this interview. I don't know how he came up with the name. It's very catchy. But thanks to an interpreter, we were able to catch up ahead of his performance. Uh, thank you to Alexander, who was the interpreter. So you'll hear from Alexander when I'm a- when I'm asking Yaktak some of these questions. But I thought I'd start by asking Yaktak what it would mean to win Vidbit and represent Ukraine on Saturday night. If I've been winner for this Eurovision and we represent Ukraine in Malmo, uh, this coming like my big childhood dream because when I was a young boy, I watched it with my mama Eurovision since I was a child and I can't say uh, I can't say that I was like super big Eurovision fan, but I know like a lot and uh, a lot of uh, tops of this uh, high places in different years. So of course, there will be like the big honor for me to represent Ukraine in this contest. Yaktak, why 2024? What was it about this year that meant that you wanted to, to represent or try to represent Ukraine and to enter Vidbe this year? So I'm like last two years, like last my time, I'm doing a lot of concert and a lot of ideas. So uh, I have idea to represent and uh, took uh, my vote to, to become an Eurovision for the last year, for four years before. But in, there was no any such a good song such a for Eurovision. And I have idea, understand, they might to felt that feeling that this time will come. So now time will come for the show. You you mentioned You've been doing lots of concerts. You've done hundreds of concerts over the last year and raised lots of money for the military in Ukraine as well. Just tell our listeners how busy you've been. Uh, thank you for the question. I'm not a super big fan to talk about all this in how I do help for Ukrainian military because like, uh, but I also see this picture with the with the happy people when I can bring some stuff for the for the military guy. In this moment and in case uh, what happened with the Eurovision preparation, I'm also super busy like minute by minute. I have the practice that we got to prepare the, a lot of things for the show and generally I'm a kind of man that I'm also like to be busy and also be in progress and grow up step by step. Dance.
How do you relax when you are so busy? How do you find time to chill out? Uh, I live music, music in my heart, and I all day listen music, singing, write a song, and uh, I don't know, I don't uh, know how I can live without music. I like uh, watch and play football, but music is my all time. Yeah, and I relax in music, bro. Yeah. Question about the the Ukrainian music scene. We internationally are always so excited to see the artists from Ukraine who are in Vidbir, but there is so much exciting music in Ukraine, and and seemingly always has been. So the main scene, uh, the all people in Ukraine is such as musician is like coming not a uh, opponents, there's like coming one big teammate. So like all the brotherhoods and all this communication will connect. The, the mostly next thing, what we didn't talk uh, previously question, uh, Yaktak is so inspired of uh, folk Ukrainian song, like native original song with a deep voice, with a deep idea, with a strong like national uh, frequency uh, like like coming with the music so he get bring uh, power of them he also like uh, uh, the, the representative of Eurovision like such a Goa uh, college orchestra he like that uh, and uh, he also big fan of old school Ukrainian music such as Okeanels um, uh, Boombox like uh, he grew up on this uh, Sony music and uh, love, love love this kind of stuff and my last question, what can people expect to see from the performance? What can you tell me about your performance? So he started first. He will be the first open. But uh, in this uh, concert show, he don't want to talk a lot what's going to be because you might to see at first. But uh, it also going to be fire. It's also going to be groovy and pumping uh, he he uh, with the teammates create somehow dancing uh, combination so it's like gonna be no ordinary to see for uh, some some you, you might to see some new ideas from yaktak team but it's also gonna be fire strong and grew from yaktak as always yaktak thank you so much for chatting to us on the Eurotrip podcast thank you bro thank you so much i very nice to meet you Thanks to Yaktak from Ukraine for, for stopping by for a quick chat. Best of luck to him and the other 10 artists who are in Vidbia, uh, as we keep saying, on Saturday night. Oh, Saturday afternoon. It's about 4pm UK time. So a nice uh, mid-afternoon national fight. Yeah, we enjoy that very much. Uh, Yaktak is the first Eurovision artist from Ukraine. Although technically not a Eurovision artist yet, is he? Of course, he still needs to win Vidbia. Uh, I'll change that. He's the first artist, rather, that I've spoken to from Ukraine since I spoke to Tavorchi in a bus stop. Right, I wasn't. Right. I wasn't in the bus stop with them, but in the uh, okay. on the road to Liverpool uh, when we were chatting to the artists, I joined a Zoom call with Tavorchi, and they were waiting for a bus. Uh, Yaktak, Yaktak, just at home. Uh, I will quickly fact check that. By the way, you did speak to Kalish Orchestra. You know, Eurovision winners back in <sighs> Liverpool. But uh, never mind. Never yeah, mind. Yeah. Well, you know, we all no, no, yeah, well, no, no. Yeah. Uh, literally, well, no excuse. No excuse. No excuse. Sorry, no excuse. sorry, sorry, boys. Well, anyway, anyway, uh, from Rob getting things wrong to the one second song where Rob will likely continue the streak. Uh, it's time for, as I say, the one second song where we take in turns each week to play each other. The very first secondary revision song and we have to guess 
uh, the singer, the song title, the country it represented, and the year it took part in Eurovision. I don't have the scores to hand, Rob. I'm definitely leading, but you have a chance to catch up because I have chosen this week's song. You are definitely leading. You need to tell me an honest answer. Did you score any points last week? I don't remember what the song was. I'm going to say no. Right. Well, if you didn't score any points, it means the score is currently you seven, me two. Okay. I thought I was further ahead, I must admit, but I'll... (laughs) uh, we'll fact check this for next week. I- I'll make some notes and come back with the correct answer next week. And when we say you'll fact check it, Martin, if you're listening, yes, tell us what the spreadsheet says. Uh, Martin is our long-time listener. Hello, Martin, who we got to meet in person in Liverpool, um, who still has a one-second song spreadsheet. And I imagine is increasingly infuriated every week when he realises that we don't <laughs> use it. So, Martin, if you can tell us what the score is, that would be tremendous. Anyway, it's me to guess this week, isn't it? It is. So, let's have it. For the first time this week, it's time for the one-second song. I think you've been really generous there, have you not? I think I may have been very generous, yes, because I feel like you called me evil for, for all the other weeks I've chosen it. So a nice, easy one. Let's have it again if you don't think it is as easy for you at home. Now, to let you in on a secret, everybody, when you heard that for the second time, I've not even bothered. He's confident. He's confident. What have we got? This will be embarrassing if I'm wrong, won't it? I think that is Ireland, 1993. Neve Kavanagh with In Your Eyes. Four points in the bag, my friend. Ding, ding, ding. And if I was right, and if the scores were you seven, me two before this, that means that I'm within a point. Indeed. Let's have a quick blast of it again. Yeah, I feel like it's quite easy to figure out why I chose it as well. Hold Are you on. able to figure that out? Hold on, hold on. Uh, Ireland picked their Eurovision song last weekend, and that's an Irish Eurovision song. No, no, got it, on, got, got it, it, got it, got it, got it. Hold on. You probably saw the moment there that it clicked. That, of course, uh, was also, as well as being the year that Ireland won and Neve Kavanagh won, uh, that was the last time that Luxembourg participated in the Eurovision Song Contest back in 1993. Indeed it was. Well done. No bonus point, but you can have a point for... A point for pride. A pride point. Uh, talking of bonuses, James, before we say goodbye, it is looking likely that we will have a bonus episode for you on Friday. And it's another treat for you Melfest fans. Yes, yes, I forgot about that. Actually, yes, yes, that's exciting. It's it's something for the Melfest fans, but it's something for the Eurovision fans as well. Yes, indeed. So keep an eye out for Friday and then we'll be back on Monday for Melfest Monday and back again next Wednesday for your regular episode of the Eurotrip. We are spoiling you. Uh, so in the meantime, don't forget you can keep in touch with us online. We're at Eurotrip Podcast on Twitter, Instagram and TikTok. We are hello at EurotripPodcast.com on the email. You can read all of our exclusive stories on EurotripPodcast.com and if you'd like to support what we're doing here on the pod, you can head over to buymeacoffee.com forward slash Podcast. As well, make sure you subscribe, leave us a review and rate us five stars. From me, James, it is goodbye. And from me, Rob, it's goodbye. Hmm. 
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.